Mark chapter 8. Jesus feeds 4,000. About this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some of them have come a long distance. Note, isn't it interesting that the people would sleep outside in the open field? I guess the the weather was excellent, you know, and... uh, they kept themselves warm, I guess. Four or five thousand people lying down on the on the grass. Think about it. The words listening to the words of Jesus. The significance of that is the fact is that they here people knew in their hearts that Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Creator of the earth, God's Son, the Promised One, that's in the Scripture finally arrived. They had enough imaginations in their heads about Isaiah and the great prophets and the great movements of God. They weren't about to miss anything on that. Wow. And I think it was a setup, too, that Jesus, well, after three days, that was a long time, a lot of work, a lot of teachings. And it's amazing they only recorded so little on Jesus, on the teachings of Jesus. If you got three days seminar and uh, the scribes had their, their, their hands full. Amen. Here we go. And I think it was a setup for the miracle of the fish and loaves too that he would provide for them so they would be written down through history that the Lord, through giving thanks for the bread and the fish, it multiplied. We give thanks for the good we have, and the we give thanks for the good feelings we have, the joy that the Word of God gives us, and it multiplies. It goes into the future, that when we need it, it'll be there for us. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? That was verse 4. Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fishes were found, too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. Note, I wonder if he can do the same with gold, huh? And give everybody a piece of gold and go home with a... Anyway, just a thought. Number eight. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Delmanuta. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he 
show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he sighed deeply. Everybody, please sigh, sigh. In his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Just got back on the bus, and I go, I'll go to the other side of the city. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. You know, the disciples said, well, we figured we have the grocery store with us. Why bring the refrigerator? As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. He, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Boy, it seems like Jesus was pretty well disturbed because of those um, Pharisees. You know, he was just ticked because the Pharisees, the way he goes, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Herod, you know. And now that now he got on, on his disciples, rebuking them pretty strong right here. Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard or should we take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand, he asked them. You know, it always, it's amazing how, how much patience Jesus had with everybody. I think right here he had it. <laughs> he says, enough is enough. I'm here in this rocky boat. I got to go back again. And all these people clinging on to me. Don't you see? And he let off some steam, brothers, sisters. All right, verse 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hand on him and asked, Can you see anything now? And the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't go back into the village on your way home. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up the, to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do, you, who, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. 
Then he asked him, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must be suffered many terrible things and be rejected by the elders and the leaders and priests of the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him and saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. Then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Lord, help us to see every point of view through your eyes and through your senses, Lord. Not through the human side, but help us to see through the spirit side, Lord. Holy Spirit, you've given us to teach us in all things in Jesus' name. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will, be, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, in, in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Note. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, check this out, in these adulterous and sinful days. In other words, he's comparing. I said, give me a break. Look at all these people doing all these sin and all the adulterous. And all you're saying is you're believing in the cross. And you're, and you're comparing that in that situation. Surely, what is, what is it worth to lose your soul? Isn't it amazing what, what the Lord had to do to thousands of us, millions of us? for his love as a father to get us to, to a point where everything else failed and he cornered us. And finally we said, yes, Lord, I take on the cross. I believe in the cross. I know, I know he did me. And, but my, my, my heart and salute goes to the ones that just easily believed. It sounds good. I'll take it. Instead of being stubborn like I was all the way down to to being cornered and having no confidence on anything else but being cornered by a merciful, kind God. And I finally said, yes, Lord, to the cross. I knew he, he wanted me to accept Jesus Christ, the work that he done on the cross as his son. And he wanted me to say yes and accept it in my heart. And I said, yes, Lord, come in. And amen. That was my my beginning. Or maybe I had Jesus already as a kid. I was 12-year-old when I was fishing. I said the, the sinner's prayer many times. But it was this time where I focused and I was able to go forward. 
properly. But the big difference happened was I got a great appetite for literature, for the Bible, right after that. So, amen. Interesting, huh? All right, let's move to chapter 9 here. Chapter 9, Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. You know, there's some notes on the Recovery Bible on chapter 8. Let me read those. Chapter 8 says, We sometimes feel like our prayers never get beyond the ceiling. We wonder if the hotline to God is busy, and if we have been left indefinitely on hold, the truth is God is never too busy to concern himself with the daily needs of his people. Jesus was moved by pity to feed 4,000 hungry people. Even though he was busy with a preaching and healing campaign, there is no need to small or request too large that God will not hear and respond to. Beautiful, huh? Jesus was troubled by his disciples again. Lack of faith in their seeming inability to learn the basic lessons he was trying to teach them. As slow to catch on as they were, Jesus still nurtured them in faith. We may tend to progress in recovery in a series of lurches and falls. When we fail, we can recover by quickly admitting our limitations Accepting God's forgiveness and continuing to depend on his power. Day by day, God will be patient with us if we are willing to stick with his program for recovery. You know, it's amazing. We work with people or that don't wake up to a lesson. Doesn't that just, you know, you're going over the lessons over and over and over again. And and you want them to to man up and stand up but i'm sure out of the 12 there was three of them that 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 were turned on you know like his three disciples that he took into the room uh was it peter james and john or something like that and they uh peep some people were turned on and the other ones were just tell me again feed me again it's like a lazy teenager you want me to take out the trash <laughs> when Jesus told his disciples that his ministry would lead to suffering and death, he was sharing a basic truth about life. When when we are dealing with the destructive effects of sin, usually comes only after pain and tears. No cross, no resurrection, no pain, no gain. Jesus had to suffer in order to overcome the destructive power of sin in our world. Recovery from our destructive habits will also involve pain, but we should not let this discourage us. Jesus has already paid the price for our sins. If we confess our sins and accept God's forgiveness, we can be sure of victory over our addictions with God's daily help. Amen. And one of the ways to solidify that and to, is to keep thanking God that you sin. Because if it wasn't for that sin, we would not have the cross. We would not have forgiveness. And forgiveness is a lot better than sin. Forgiveness, there's mercy, love, joy, friends. It's eternity, so the promise of eternity with it. 
<clears throat> so every time your your mind reminds you and tries to go back to your sin, you just start thanking God for for it and the lesson that it taught you. Solidify, and you learn your lesson well. Say, thank you, God, I messed up. Thank you, God, I I drank it, stole it, connived it. Thank you, God, for that has pushed me into the kingdom of God. Amen. So let's go ahead and stop there. God bless you. That's a lot that we read in Mark 8. Let's go ahead and finish off with the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working.